Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for worship already. Thank you for your spirit moving and for God, you speaking to our hearts. And I ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying, God. Give us a mind also to understand the passage before us and give us a heart to receive, Lord, what you're really telling us, God, that you would communicate deep into our soul that we could really respond, Lord, with a change of life, that we would understand your word this morning. So I ask for your spirit to really anoint this time, and I thank you for everyone here, everyone connected online, and everyone who's going to hear this message later. And so we ask for your touch, and I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I, I, I came across some funny things on what kids know about the Bible. I should say what they say they know about the Bible. For example, Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. Actually, the Bible doesn't say, but kind of makes sense, right? King Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. Well, concubines are really what it is. The greatest miracle in the Bible, one kid said, is when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. As you know the story, it's not S-O-N, it's S-U-N, right? The son actually stood still. Uh, Some, another one child said, the Bible says Christians should have only one spouse. This is called monotony. (laughs) Of course, he means monogamy, right? One husband, one wife. Another child said Shadrach and Meshach and a billy goat were thrown into a fire. Yes, in the book of Daniel, but we know it's a bendigo, not a billy goat. From the Lord's Prayer, one child said, uh, this is what it says, and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive, uh, forgive those who put trash in our baskets. It's supposed to be trespasses, but that's pretty good, I think, if you think about it. Another one from the Lord's prayers, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. (laughs) Yes, that evil email, right, that we get and we don't like the spam. No, anyway, uh, there was uh, one cakey that put this out. There was actually tennis mentioned in the Bible. It's when Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Oh, you like that one? I like that one. Anyway, a Keiki school teacher was teaching on how Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Well, little Jason, excited about what the Bible was saying, interrupted the teacher saying, my mommy looked back once when she was driving and turned into a telephone pole. Well, good application maybe in that way. But He's connecting. Well, at least we see in these examples that these kids are, in some sense, into the Bible. They know the Bible. They understand that there's things in the Bible that is important to our lives. And so it is for us, isn't it? It's important for us to be regularly in the Bible, in the Word of God. And that's why here on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, we, we actually study the Bible. We go through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, because we want to understand 
the Bible, God's word, and what he's saying to understand God, who we are, who Jesus is, salvation, what it means to be a safe person, our future, heaven, all of that. And so it's important that we study the Bible because it will affect our lives. I think about what the great English preacher back in the late 1800s, C.H. Spurgeon, said this. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And I love that quote because it's the Word of God that really keeps us together. It's the Word of God that really, really keeps us to be living for God, growing in God, and not moving toward sin or drifting into sin. Well, today, as we return to our study here in the book of 2 Peter, we actually find how important it is to hold tight the Word of God. And that's the title of our message today. Hold tight the Word of God. Today, uh, we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 12 through 21. We're going to pick up where we last left off. Last week we left off on verse 11. We're going to go from verse 12 and finish this chapter today. Now, in this section, in this passage we're looking at, we're going to see three things. Number one is remember the truth. And then Peter's going to say, number two, replay the testimony. And number three, reconfirm the source. So those are the three things we will be seeing in our passage here this morning. So hold tight the word of God. And how's that done? Well, Peter tells us, number one now, remember the truth. Remember the truth. And if you're taking notes here, we're going to be looking at verse uh, 12 through 15 here. 12 through 15. Take a look with me here. First of all, we'll begin with verse 12. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And it reads, Therefore, I intend, intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. We'll stop there. Now we begin with Peter, the apostle who's writing this. And he starts with that one word, therefore, in verse 12 at the beginning. Whenever we get to therefore, we ask, well, why is it therefore? Because the word therefore is that conjunction. Yeah, It connects us to the passage above it, the passage before it. And so here's Peter. And if you uh, connecting back, looking back, referring to what we saw last week. Verses 5 through 11. Some commentators even say it even reaches back to the beginning of First Peter. From verse 1 through 4. And if you remember a few weeks ago when we started this study, we saw that, that basically Peter's saying, look, you're saved in Christ Jesus. His righteousness has saved you. Not what you've done, but his work on the cross. And then we saw after that that God has given us his divine power to, to live out this life for God, to be able to follow God. Well, that same power that saved you is the same power that keeps you going. And he's promised that. Remember, there's a power and promise, that precious promises in verse 4. And then last week, we saw the title was what? The recipe for spiritual success. We saw the ingredients needed for us to really be able to walk with God, to God and to grow in maturity. And we saw seven things, didn't we? Like in verse 5, we saw uh, virtue and knowledge. In verse 6, self-control, steadfastness, 
godliness. We saw in verse 7, brotherly affection and love. And so we saw all these qualities. We studied it. We got into it. So now Paul is saying, look, therefore, he's saying. He's saying since these seven qualities, these seven characteristics, this seven ingredients for spiritual success that we need to grow and mature in, therefore, now that you have that in your life, now that it's working in your life, now that you understand it, he says, therefore, verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these things. So here's Paul, I mean, Peter saying, look, therefore, you're getting this now. And since you're getting this, well, you know what? I'm going to keep reminding you of these things. Though, verse 12, though you know them, even though you, you know them, and you're established. The word in original language there is, is in my English translation, is solid. Though you're solid in these things, though you're solid in really the truth of what it means to walk in Christ, though you're there, though you're growing in God spiritually in the seven things, even if you're spiritually mature, Peter's like, I'm not going to stop teaching these truths to you. And that's what he, the idea is in verse 12. I'm, even though you get these, even though you understand, I'm going to keep reminding you. I'm going to keep teaching you the truth here. You know, uh, uh, the, the word, the Bible, as we know, the truth in here, uh, it's been said that it's shallow enough that Keiki could understand it. But it's deep enough that theologians could never get to the bottom. And, and really, that's God's word. So Peter's like, hey, I'm going to keep giving it to you. Even as you're growing, even as you're growing in your knowledge of God and the truth in Jesus Christ. And we should stay hungry, shouldn't we? I think about what we studied last, uh, ch- in the last book in 1 Peter chapter 2. two. Uh, he wrote there, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And I, I, we should always be hungering for the word like a baby needs milk, like a baby cries for milk. We should be like that with the Lord. So then Peter goes on, if you look at verse 13 through 15, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of reminder, since I know that the putting off my, my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me in verse 15. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So Peter adds in verse 13, is like, you know, I think it's right. This is the right thing to do. This is what God is putting on my heart that I would keep reminding you, that you would remember, that I would keep teaching you the word of God. And so he's saying, look, as long as I'm in this body, yeah, I'm going to do this. As long as I am alive, in other words, on the earth, I'm going to keep stirring you up, stirring your heart up, yeah, by the way of what? Reminder. Do you get what he's saying? Remember, reminder, right? Uh, um, He's calling these things up. He's saying this about the word of God. He wants to stir us up. He wants that hunger in us. He wants the truth to be alive and living inside of us, living and that we would live out that truth. 
Now, notice he, he says here that since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. The actual Greek word of body here, it, it really literally is like tent. And so he's going he's gonna to take down his tent and move locations. That's the picture. But what is he really talking about? Well, it's like the Apostle Paul, he wrote in his epistle about how our body is like a tent that one day we're going to die. And one day we're going to be leaving this life and we're going to go into eternal life in heaven if you have Christ Jesus. So when he says, I'll be putting off my body, he's saying, I'm going to be taking down the tent and moving locations. And I think about how my tent, my body, you know, my tent is getting old. <laughs> There's threads popping out, you know, starting to flap a little more, you know. And so it's good. We, we wanted that new body, our glorious body that's coming up. So Peter's saying, look, I'm going to be leaving this earth soon. I'm going to die soon. You remember, as he's writing this, he is in prison right now, right, for his faith. And we know that after this letter was written, he was martyred. We know that he died. He, tradition says he, he, he was crucified upside down at his request because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord. So we, we, he knows that. He knows that it, it's come to pass. Uh, this is what's going to happen next. And he says in verse 14, It will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. If you remember after Christ's resurrection, uh, Christ stayed around about 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And in John 21, you remember uh, Jesus recommissioned Peter, right? Peter denied Jesus, but uh, he needed to be recommissioned. Jesus encouraged him, feed my sheep, tend to my sheep, feed my lambs. You know, told him that. But after that, Jesus told him that, you know what? You're going to live to an old age. And so... At this time, Peter's probably is in his 70s. And it's been a long time since Jesus said that. And he knows, oh, what Jesus said, well, he made it clear to me that I'm going to live to an old age. And that's about to happen now. So that's why he says, you know what? I know I'm going to pass. I'm about to go from this planet. And I'm about to go to heaven. And he says, I will, in verse 15, make every effort so that after my departure after he dies you may be able at any time to what recall these things what things well the things peter's telling them the things that peter's been teaching him the truth of god that the apostles were given to write and now today we have it in our bibles so peter's like hey i'm gonna do everything i can to not stop teaching all the way up to the day I die. My very last breath is going to be all the way to, to preach the word. To my dying breath, I'm going to keep preaching the word. Understand what he's saying. You see how important the word of God is in our lives? I mean, Peter's not going to stop. He's not retiring. He's not doing that. He's going to keep going. And so that says how important this book is for us. Peter knows how vital this is for believers, for our spiritual growth, like he just talked about what we saw last week. He, it's so that we wouldn't drift, so that we, we wouldn't get pulled back into the world and our, our sinful flesh. So he's going to keep stirring them up with his teaching. 
So he's going to do everything he can all the way up until his death to keep preaching so they can recall what he had been teaching. Now, what is he referring to? I think he's referring to 1 Peter, the first epistle or letter he wrote. I think it's this book we're, start, we're, we're studying now, 2 Peter. And it could be he could also be referring to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. You know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles, the Gospels, we call it. Well, Mark, uh, it's believed that every, all the information that's in Mark, he got from Peter. It was like he was interviewing Peter, and, and Peter uh, shared his uh, account of what went on with those three years that Peter was with Jesus. So Peter's saying, you know what, even after I'm gone, you're going to still hear my voice, <laughs> You're going to still hear me reminding you of the truths of God. Warren Rearsby said in his commentary, Peter knew that he was going to die, so he wanted to leave behind something that would never die, the written word of God. I love that. That's what it is. That's what we hear, we have here today. So can you hear like the tone of Peter's voice here, is as if he's speaking here. He's saying, remember the truth that you have been taught. That's the point here. Remember the truth that you have been taught. And you know, we need to be reminded, don't we? I mean, our, our brains, you don't remember. I mean, some people are smart, way smarter than me. But we don't remember everything, Right? We, we can't, you know, everything, all the information, all the data that's been, that we've received, I don't think, you know, maybe it's in there, but I, I, as I get older, I can't call it back up as fast. You know, I read how studies show that half an hour, just 30 minutes after a speech, the average listener has already forgotten 40% of what was said. 40% me it's probably like 60 (laughs) percent by the end of one week 90 percent is forgotten well i praise god for technology we can go back and listen to the podcasts of bible studies or see the archive videos of our services and you know and you can go back if, if you forget you know what the crazy thing i think it is for me we forget what we should remember but we remember what we should forget Isn't that crazy? Like crazy song. This is the song that never ends. It's like, don't sing that. It's going to start, you know, repeating. You know, commercials. Remember old 12 beef pad special sauce, cheese, you know, all that kind. I mean, if you're old old enough for that. But it's still stuck in my head from a long time ago. I should be forgetting those things. But uh, I guess it's our nature that we forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. Well, no wonder. Even the Apostle Paul himself said that he would uh, repeat things to the Philippians. For example, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, the second part says, To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. It's safe. We need to know God's truth. It needs to be repeated to us because it's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy for the world and its things to come in and crowd it out, even to extinguish that fire that should be in our heart. 
It's so easy for that to happen. And it's, I believe it's part of Satan's strategy even too to get us away from the truth of God and input things that shouldn't be there. So repetition is not bad. Repetition is not bad. What we're studying here, we've studied the word of, about the importance of the word of God. We've studied that many times. But we need to re, be refocused. We need to put our attention back on how important the word of God is. And God knows we need to hear that. We can easily forget things. We can be easily distracted. And then you know what happens? We drift. We drift spiritually. And all of a sudden we look back and say, how did I get here when I used to be over there? So it's important we get back and hear what the Lord is saying, even if it's, oh, oh here we go, Pastor Rick again, you know, about the Word and all that. I, I have a passion for the Word. I'm here because I want to teach you the Word of God so you can understand the Word of God, so you can go home, read this passage, and go, oh, I get it. If, if you can do that, then I've done my job. And that's the place we all need to be with the Word of God. You and I, our, our memories are defective, aren't they? Matter of fact, you know what's wrong with our memories too? They're selective, right? They're even selective. We, we choose what to remember, the good things, or, or the things that back up like our thing. Yeah? And we push away those other things. We usually remember what we want to remember, and even that can be distorted. So, here's Peter. Understanding the end of his life is coming. Understanding how important the word is. He says, remember you guys. I'm reminding you. I want you to recall these things. I want to put into your mind. I want to keep teaching the truth. Remember the truth that you have been taught. If you're not on a daily Bible reading plan, get on it. You should be reading through the Bible at least once every two years. You need to go over and over and over. That's what I'm doing. And, and it's like as I read, yeah, there's stuff I remember and there's other stuff like, whoa, and the Spirit speaks to me. It's like, oh, wait, was this the same book? Yeah, it was, right? Because the depth of the Word is so deep we can never find the bottom. So keep reading. Get on a daily program. Remember the truth here, that this is the truth of God. So hold tight the Word of God. Hold tight the Word of God. And first thing Peter says, how do we do that? Remember the truth. Remember, recall, be reminded the truth. Secondly, we, we go to number two. And what is this? Is replay the testimony. Replay the the testimony. Here we're going to cover verse 16 through 18 if you're taking notes. 16 through 18. First of all, though, take a look with me here. Verse 16. It says here, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we were made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, so Peter is saying, Look, what I taught you guys, what I brought to you, the truth of God, it was not some cleverly devised myths. In other words, they're not like some clever stories to manipulate your thinking. 
And, and I, I want you to know that behind these words, and we're going to see more next week, is these false teachers that were coming into the church, the early church, with false doctrine. And they were coming in with really what he's saying, carefully crafted lies, right? To pull on the emotions of the believers, to, to implant things into their minds so that these false teachers would get a following. We're going to see that more in chapter 2 next week. But so Peter's like, look, I didn't come in that way. I didn't come in this manipulative way uh, with some myths, some stories that, that would get you to, to, to listen to me and, and, and take that as truth. No, he, he said, no, I didn't come in that way. And specifically, he addresses, uh, we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So specifically, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and, and again, we'll see some stuff in chapter 3 even about that too. But the powerful coming, the second coming. Remember, the, the first coming of Christ, he came humbly, right? He came as a servant to die on the cross for our sins, to atone for our sins. Well, the second coming is going to be different. It's going to be majestic, uh, uh, it's going to come in in power because Jesus Christ will come in as Lord in the second coming and he's going to set up that kingdom, the millennium on the earth. So Peter's like, look, we're not making this up. This isn't some stories and we put it all together like a good you know, television episode. Like, wow, that was a good story. Well, there was writers behind that, you know. And, and, but Peter's like, no. That, that's not us. We didn't make this up to get your attention and get ratings and all that. No, 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 no. But, verse 16, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What's Peter saying? He says, we saw a preview of Jesus and what he is going to be like with our own eyes when he comes at that second coming. We, when he says we, he's talking about Peter, James, and John. Remember those three. They were eyewitnesses to seeing Christ in what we call the transfiguration. Matthew uh, 17, Luke chapter 9, Mark 9, all record that time when Jesus unveiled himself in all of his glory. And Peter says, we saw that with our own eyes. None of the false teachers could claim that. Jesus being unveiled as the Lord God. And you know what? It's something Peter's saying. Look, I, I never forgot. I think burned in his heart and in his mind and his eyes, you could say, is how when Jesus brought these three, Peter, James, and John, up to this mountain, it's believed, we don't know exactly, but it's believed it was Mount Hermon there. And Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem or on his way to the cross. And, and it was there that his humanity was transfigured his glory was unveiled what was on the inside came on the outside it wasn't like a spotlight from heaven shone down on him and he reflected that no the glory came from within of who he is remember jesus is god who's come in the flesh that's the incarnation he came He's God, but he came in a form of a man to be able to die and atone for our sins. That's the gospel. So here's Peter saying, look, I'm eyewitnesses to his majesty, 
to his glory. I, I've seen this preview of what the Lord Jesus is, is going to look like, is going to be like. He will be, as we studied in the book of Revelation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords when he returns. And then Peter says in verse 17, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Verse 18, We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter goes on here in these next verses he, to say that, Look, I know what I saw. I was out with, an eyewitness of that. And you know what? I know what I heard also. I'm testifying to this. That in verse 17, that Jesus received honor. Jesus received glory from who? God the Father. It was a voice that came from heaven, was born from heaven, came from heaven by the majestic glory. In other words, by God the Father himself. In all of his glory, this voice came out, said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I, I, God the Father was basically, first of all, affirming Jesus. Jesus is his son. When, when we talk about Jesus is the son of God, you know what? We're really saying Jesus is God the son. Understand that today. So the Father's affirming, this is my beloved son who's come. This is God the son. And whom I am well pleased when the Father said that, he is, he is uh, giving his approval He's like, yeah, yeah, to Jesus, who's about to do his next step, fulfill his mission, and that is to die on the cross and atone for our sins. We understand there, if you read the passage in Matthew 17, that Peter saw Moses and Elijah there, right? And Moses represents the law, uh, Elijah the prophets, and Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets here. And so we see this complete picture here, and they were having a discussion, and we don't know what was said. Most commentators believe maybe they were talking about what uh, Jesus was about to do in dying on the cross and fulfill his mission. But, but here's, here's Peter. He's like, um, or, or, or let me back up just a moment. In verse 17, when he said the voice was born by the majestic glory. I was kind of like caught on that this morning when I was going over this passage. And, and here's God the Father. And it, majestic glory is referring to God the Father above that. And, and so I was thinking, Peter heard the voice of God. In all of his majestic glory. Think about that. Actually hearing audibly God's voice. Oh, it gives me chicken skin. And I think that's what Peter had. That's why he's saying it this way. Not only did we see Jesus in all of his glory, which was probably chicken skin too. Because they've never seen their Lord, Jesus Christ. They've been with him, but all of a sudden, he's like this. Then this voice comes out. Oh, that was like double chicken skin moment, right? So I want to emphasize that because Peter's like, I saw Jesus in all of his glory. But not only that, I heard the Father. And everything about that moment, everything 
was about Christ's death, his resurrection, his second coming, his return. All of that was revealed to Peter right there. So can you see what Peter's writing? Hey, we were eyewitnesses. We saw this. We heard this voice. You know what's interesting? It was, I said there was Peter, James, and John, right? The passage tells us in Matthew 17. Well, in the Jewish law, you need to have two or three witnesses are required to validate that truth. And guess who Jesus brought with him? Three of them. Not just two, but three of his, his closest disciples to come and verify this truth. Matter of fact, back in Matthew 17, he says, don't, don't tell anybody about this until after until later, after he was raised from the dead. And I think it all connected for them that moment. And so Peter's saying, look, we, the three of us, we can verify this. We are eyewitnesses to Jesus in all his glory. I'm telling you, this is real. I'm telling you, this is the truth. So can you hear Peter's voice here? He's saying, look, remember what I'm telling you. Replay this testimony of what God revealed to us. Replay this. That what we're telling you right now is the truth of God. About Jesus Christ. Who He is. What He's done for us in our lives. Salvation. Replay this testimony that we have shared with you. Even Apostle John wrote in John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh, that's Jesus became flesh, became a man, dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John even said, Oh, you guys, we've seen Jesus as God in His glory, as the Lord returning. Even John is testifying to that. Replay the testimony Peter is saying. Listen, what we have recorded here from the apostles in the New Testament, their their letters, the Gospels, what we have recorded here is their testimony of, of what God has shown them, of the prophets in the Old Testament, of what God has told them, of the writers of in all of our Bible, what God did. What God did for him, it, it, it's, it's the Lord. And you know what? What I love is God put it here for us and into our hands today and the day we live in so you and I can learn the truth from their experience. Peter sharing, he was eyewitnesses. I was an eyewitness. I saw this. I heard this. It's not hearsay. It's not second or third person. No, I was there. And I'm testifying to you guys that this is true. Jesus is God. And we have it right here. This experience for us to replay, to understand, and to feel what they felt. To to get into our minds and hearts what they received here. You know what? Also, what we have in the Bible is a test, right? Against false experiences too. We have to understand that because there's experiences out there. There's demonic things that Satan wants to fool people about. But remember, what they saw, what they have written down, it's also a test for us against the false. Like in 1 John 4, 1, it says, Test the spirits, whether of God 
or not. Or even the Apostle Paul says, don't be tossed around by every word of doctrine. Yeah, by this philosophy, this thought. Well, no, this is true. Peter's saying, no, uh, let me replay this testimony. You guys know. Well, we were eyewitnesses to the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God. Know this today that Jesus, his disciples, right? He raised them up. He taught them. He, he, they directly received from Jesus so that later they, the disciples became the apostles, which means sent out ones, to bring the truth of God, to write it down so that we would have in our Bibles today that we're studying right now, like Peter, what Peter wrote here, that we would have the truth of God, the word of God, and not be deceived. So Peter's saying, look, replay our testimony and what we're saying. The false teachers, they, they never got this. It was really only Peter, James, and, and John. We, 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 we were the ones who witnessed this. So understand, yeah, there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of even religions out there. There's a lot of thought of what it means to live this life or who God is and how to follow God. How do we know what's really real? Well, we have our Bibles today to tell us what's real and what's not. I believe in an absolute truth. And I believe that what the Bible says is truth, absolutely true. And this is where we go to find out who God is, who we are, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who I am in salvation in Christ and how I can get to heaven. It's right here. I read about, um, it was a number of years ago, the Charity Commission of Britain, which they're, they're like the IRS, well, sort of like IRS. In our country, the IRS, they're the ones who you apply for, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, nonprofit, yeah. Yeah, so in England, the Charity Commission of Britain rejected this organization, the Temple of the Jedi order they rejected their charity status yes they are the church of the jedi based on star wars movies uh in 2011 the census uh, reported 177,000 people declared to be jedi under the re religious section they hold to a creed listen to the force and beware of the dark side isn't that crazy? It's just based on, on, on this movie. And they, I was reading, they pull in kind of new age philosophies and things like that. I, I kind of cracked up because funny thing, way back in 2008, a man dressed up as Darth Vader assaulted members of the Jedi Church. <laughs> I, thought that was the, I thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> but anyway, he was arrested. He couldn't do that. But how about you? today how about your thoughts how about what goes through your mind like the ideas of god and who you are. are are what are they really like based in what are they based in yeah what is your quote-unquote truth today i've talked about this before right it's relativism it's well if we all decide this is true it's true but what is that right no there has to be a truth 
And God, the creator of the universe, the creator of us, he has a truth. And what is that? Well, this is it. And we've got to find it here. And so Peter is unfolding this to us. He's saying, look, you guys, remember the truth. Because you're going to be pulled around. You're going to be lied to. These false teachers are going to come. They're going to confuse you. But remember the truth. And replay the testimony of what, where, what we told you guys, what we experienced. Hold tight the word of God. Well, we come to number three, and this is the last section this morning. Number three is reconfirm the source. Reconfirm the source. And here, we're going to cover verse 19 through 21, the rest of this chapter. But let's begin with verse 19. It says here, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp, shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So Peter is going on here and he says, and he says, because of what we had experienced, because of the transfiguration and all, we have now the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Now, he's in a way saying that what we saw in the transfiguration, seeing Jesus in all of his glory and who he is, it, it, that validates really what the, the prophets wrote about. But let me tell you, in, in the original language, in the Greek, it, it really is emphasized. I mean, it, it's saying that, but it's really emphasizing more about how the, the, the word validates what he saw. Not the, his experience validating word, but the word validates what they saw. And I bring that up because in verse 19, he puts it this way in our English translation, more fully confirmed. In other words, it's, it's more for sure by the prophetic word. It's more for sure the prophetic word is true. And so God, we have to understand that God's word is above any experience, right? We test our experience by God's word. So God's word is the truth, and it, it's there for us to test experience. So, so in a way, Peter's like saying, look, everything that was prophesied about Jesus, the prophetic word, well, it, it, it came true. This is the God of truth. And what we experience, yeah, well, the word of God fully confirmed that, wow, this is true. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is everything that we know about the Messiah, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. When we saw Jesus in that way, oh, the word confirmed that. Yeah, that is him. I don't know if that makes sense. But the word of God has to be above any experience. And Peter's saying, that's why we were, the prophets, the word of the prophets were more fully confirmed. And so in the Greek language, it's like that. Vance Havner said this, God's word is its own best argument. I think that really brings it together. And then he goes on here in verse 19, to which you would do well to pay attention at the word, the prophetic word, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So the word is like a lamp 
that shines in the dark place, which I believe he's talking about the world in general. He's saying the truth now is like a light, lighting the dark place. The truth in the word, the word of God, is pointing really to what? And he goes on here. Until the day dawns, the morning star rises in your hearts. The day dawns is when Christ returns. The morning star speaks of Jesus and rises in your heart, meaning, you know, when that day we see Jesus return. That day, the one we love is here. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're with Jesus now. There's no other place I would rather be is with Jesus. So the idea is, Peter's saying, look, the truth, the word, the word of the prophets, the word of God, let that be a guide in this dark world. Let that be a light, that guide for your heart as we navigate this life until the Lord returns. Proverbs 6.23, the first part says, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. Then in verse 20, he writes, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy has ever produced, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, these these two verses are so important in our understanding of Scriptures and our Bibles and how it has come together. So, Peter's saying, knowing this first of all, in other words, bottom line, you guys, bottom line, that no prophecy of Scripture, no prophecy meaning God's words, not just the prophetic prophecies of the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled, but but God's words of Scripture. And remember, right at this time, he has only the Old Testament. They're writing the New Testament now, but today we, we can include all of Scripture, because uh, the New Testament, because it's part of Scripture, so it's all of Scripture. So he's saying, look, the Word of God, uh, no Word of God comes from someone's, no part of the Word of God comes from someone's own interpretation. The word come means to come into existence. And own interpretation, it doesn't mean, like today we'll use that word interpretation by uh, using it as like explanation. Or our understanding, like we in, we're interpreting the Word of God right now. We're, I'm explaining to you the Word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you to understand and, and what uh, was originally uh, the intent here, what God wanted to say here. Well, this word interpretation is kind of a bad translation, uh, but it's probably the only way we can say it. But what it's really talking about is origination not so much interpretation as we define it today like explanation it's not explanation but origination and that's why it's so important that we understand the word comes means it comes into existence so peter saying bottom line the word of god the source is god himself the word of god is the very word of god it's, uh, next to these two verses is another important verse about our Bible, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all Scripture has been breathed out by God. It means God is the one who communicated these words. The source is God. So here's Peter's like, look, bottom line, you guys, the Word of God is the Word of God. Now, this is in contrast. Remember, 
next chapter is going to get right into it. You see in verse 1 in chapter 2, but false prophets. And we'll get into that next week. So he's, he's kind of ramping up into this because uh, false teachers, they speak of their own things. Their own ideas, their own perspectives, or what, what, what they've kind of put together. But Peter's saying the truth that we found in the Bible is purely God's words. Know that today. And then he adds in verse 21 that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. It, it, it's not their own ideas and what they came up with. That's the false teachers. But men spoke from God. And so we can understand the writers of the Bible, of the books in our Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament. They spoke from God. They spoke what God had told them. And then Peter explains it this way. As they were, verse 21, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That phrase is really used of, of how uh, of a, the, when the wind comes and fills the sail of a sailboat and, and the wind uh, is caught in the sail and the boat is moved along in that way. Carried along. So, Peter is saying, God the Holy Spirit filled the hearts and minds of the writers, which mean they spoke from God. I hope that makes sense. What came out, what we're holding in our hands is from God. We need to understand this. We need to receive it in this way. And this is what Peter is coming here into these passages to say, look, this is God's word. When we say it's God's word, it is God's word. You know, the word Bible, it actually comes from the Greek word uh, biblia, which means books. And we understand that our Bible contains 66 books yeah, all together. They, and, uh, and all these, all the writings, our Bible has been written over a span of 1,300 years. Uh, there's over 40 authors here, uh, and they come from many walks of life. Some were prophets, some were kings, right? Some were musicians, some were royal officials, king, you know, a, a different royal official. Some were, some, Luke was a doctor, right? Peter, what? He, he was a, a, mission, a, a fisherman, right? And, and so all different walks of life, for over 40 authors, 1,300 years in a span, right? Uh, over, I think, 43 generations, you could say. Well, with all these factors, there seems to be no, there is no variance from book to book, from story to story. The, the, the message is all connected. It's all cohesive. Uh, you would think that, that and through that span of 1,300 years, over 40 authors, that the truth would be kind of blurred that there will maybe be some direct contradictions and things like that. But if you really read and if you really study the Bible, it reads more like it's by one author. And that's because it is. <laughs> it's by God himself. Through the personalities, through the heart and mind of, of the writers of the Bible, but it was the Holy Spirit who filled their sails, so to speak. And what came out was these 
truth. So hear Peter's heart today. Hear what is gushing out in these verses here. He's saying, look, understand that what we're telling you, what the scriptures from the Old Testament, what the apostles are giving you, it, it's not by our own will, it's not by our own ideas, but we spoke from God. We're carried along. It was the Holy Spirit that was helping us right here. So reconfirm the source of God's word, and that is God himself. Reconfirm that in your heart. Reconfirm that this is God's word. This is God himself. If God, if this is God's word, shouldn't we then listen? If this is God's word, shouldn't we get into it? Shouldn't we hold tight what he says? Yeah. Shouldn't it be precious and shouldn't we treasure that? I was reading about 50 years after a young soldier on James Bracey mailed a love letter to his then girlfriend. This letter finally reached her 50 years later, now his wife. It was lost in the walls of this mail room at Fort Ord Military Base. They found it when they were doing some remodeling. And when Sally Bracey, now the wife, read the letter, her eyes were full of tears. And you know what she said? She said, it meant a lot then, it means even more now. And I like that thought, you guys. Years ago, God wrote his love letter to you and me. We have this in our hands. God has kept this together all these hundreds and hundreds of years. Did you know the Bible is the best-selling book year after year after year? And we, we have literally, I mean, we, we've seen through the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that, that, that it's accurate. It's more ac- the most accurate ancient document. It's our word. God kept it together. God put it together. And you know what? God wrote his love letter to you and me. And then I guess in a sense, he's waiting for it to be delivered. He's, he's waiting for it to be open and read. It meant a lot then and it means even more. Now, so don't let the Bible be a lost love letter, but make it the most important book in your life. Perhaps you come in here, you've been wondering, how can I know the right thing to do? How can I find purpose in my life? What, why am I so empty? How can I find answers to life? How can I really get through my situation? How can I get back to God? Well, out of all the books in the world, This is where you'll find the answer, right here in our Bible. I'll close with this. I read about a British soldier who in World War I was literally saved by his pocket Bible. Leonard Knight was only 17 years old when he signed up to fight. His auntie gave him a pocket Bible when he was sent off to war. Uh, Now, there's not too many details are known other than When a German bullet came flying through the air, instead of hitting Leonard's body, the projectile hit the Bible that was in his pocket. It said the bullet stopped 50 pages from the end and saved the young man from being killed. The Bible, this very Bible with the bullet still lodged in it, became a family heirloom. (laughs) It was passed down from generation to generation. Leonard survived the rest of the war and died of an old age. I like that story because in the same way, your Bible will save your lost soul. 
Your Bible will rescue you from the effects of sin, flesh, the world. And so let the Bible be your light in this life. Let it bring you to Jesus. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So keep the Bible close to your heart. Hold tight the word of God. Let's pray. God, uh, we <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for reminding us, for recalling to us, Lord, how important your word is, God. Lord, I could just hear it in Peter's voice. I can hear his heart leaking through the writing here. How important the word is, and may it be just as important that it was to Peter. May it be just as important to us today. God, may we dust off our Bibles, Lord. May we pick them up every morning, Lord. May we get back to being in your word, to being in church, God, to learn, to grow. God, may we not ever say, oh, I know that. I've heard that before. Perhaps we think we know it, but we don't. Perhaps, yeah, we've heard it before, but God is wanting, God, you want us to go deeper and deeper, to dive into the depths of the truths of your word, Lord. God, may we not be so prideful and arrogant to think that we get them, but we don't. You're telling us we don't, and we need to hear as Paul wrote the same thing. We need to, to take what we've forgotten and we need it to be made alive in our hearts once again. Lord, stir us up, God, with a hunger for your word, Lord. Stir us up, God, with a love for this book. Stir us up, Lord, that we may treasure our Bibles once again as we did when we first came to you. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who... Who, who is searching for answers, God, needing help from you. Lord, that you would meet them right now and they would hear, God, that the answer, the hope, God, your voice is right here in this book, found in the pages of our Bible. May they be drawn to your promises and the truth of your love for us, God. So, Lord, forgive us for our neglect. Cleanse us now, but pick us up, Lord, by the hand and help us, Lord, to walk out of here with a new fire to get into your word and hear from you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and we'll close with one last song.
are beautiful, you are beautiful, oh God. There is no one more beautiful, you are beautiful, God, you are the most beautiful. Wonderful. You are wonderful, you are wonderful, oh God. There is no one more wonderful, you are wonderful, God, you are the most wonderful. You are glorious. You are glorious, you are glorious, oh God. There is no one more glorious, you are glorious, God, you are the most glorious. into your mind this week. May you find your mind becoming a sanctuary, a holy habitation for Jesus. And may the flame of the Holy Spirit burn on the altar of your heart this week. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. Aloha.